I paid £400 for a 19-year-old Florence and the Machine who played at 4pm on the only stage. A week later then she completely broke, you know, she broke. You're listening to, you're listening to, you're listening to, Mr. Mr. Winter. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of People Do Fun Jobs. I'm Mr. Winter and this is episode number one. Now to give you a little bit of context as to where I am recording this, I'm currently sat in a very, very quaint and quintessential English country garden, which has absolutely no relevance or connection to the show, but it just happens to be where I am and where I'm recording it. So there's the context. Now, what is People Do Fun Jobs all about? What What's the point in it? Where did the idea come from? And why am I doing it? I do a lot of work in events and obviously make videos. And I feel like in my day-to-day life, I meet a lot of quite interesting people, or very interesting people, in fact, who do interesting jobs and do interesting work. You know, whether it's a single mum who has started her own business or someone who does some DJing on the side but is actually doing really well or someone who's working maybe in the music industry but on the songwriting side of things or whatever it is, I feel like I meet these people quite a lot and I thought it'd be really nice to actually bring that into a little bite-sized format and deliver it to the world and kind of share it from an inspiring point of view because I think we all know about the obvious jobs when you're in school and and, uh, college and go on to university you know very impressive jobs and and completely necessary and important and wonderful but those kinds of jobs we know that A to B you know what qualifications you have to get what path you have to do educationally speaking but this is all about those people with jobs where you're like what? that's a job how the hell do you do that how do you get into that and it's not limited to one industry or one sector i've got a few episodes under my belt now and i'll be churning those out and i've spoken to people in in sports and in sciences but you will find a lot of the episodes will veer back to a creative job because that's really what i find interesting and what i'm kind of around a lot so that's the idea if you can get a bit inspired and go wow didn't think about that even if it's not something you're directly interested in I'm, I'm not going to want to do the job of every guest that I'm speaking to but it's still like wow that's really cool let's find out more about that so that's the idea with people do fun jobs now this is episode number one and this is all about stand and calling festival now stand and calling is a British music festival it happens in Hertfordshire every year it's been running for well over 10 years now And a few years ago, I hosted a really small stage and kind of introduced the bands on it. And then last year, in 2018, I was asked to come back and host the main stage, which as a presenter is a pretty big gig and a really fun one as well. So I did that last year and was invited back to do it again this year in 2019. So uh, obviously doing something right. (laughs) But it is a really thrilling job to do, getting on stage, getting the crowd hyped up and introducing uh, really talented musicians and artists and bands is just really bloody fun to be quite honest and it's a really good gig so I did that last year in fact I've actually written a list of who I managed to introduce because off the top of my head it escapes me but last year I introduced Tom Walker, Gaz Coombs from Supergrass, absolute legend 
Sam Fender, who uh, Radio One have really championed uh, since then, actually. Jade Bird, who's a very talented singer-songwriter. The Bootleg Beatles, they're pretty much the biggest Beatles tribute band in the world, and for good reason, because they're like scarily similar to the Beatles. It's really weird, but uh, great fun. A lot of people came to watch them. And the Amazons, I did the, the Amazons last year, and that was after a bit of a turbulent time. We had, there were basically severe storms, and I had to shut the main stage down twice, which, let me tell you, doesn't go down very well. I got booed. But they managed to switch some things around. We thought we were going to have to cancel them, but it, it all worked out, and I went out and was like, guys, we're back on, the Amazons are playing. It's all good, and everyone's really happy. So that was last year, and then this year I introduced some wonderful people again. Band of Skulls, they were awesome. The Howl and the Hum, uh, they're a Yorkshire band who were awesome, really, really good. Uh, Mahalia, who's now getting very mainstream, and for good reason, because she's got an absolutely stunning voice. Hypnotic Brass Ensemble I introduced uh, onto the main stage. They're ten guys from uh, Chicago that all play trombones and trumpets and full of energy and good vibes and... They walked on as I was still talking and introducing them, so I kind of ended up doing a bit of a dance on stage with them, which was hilarious. Uh, and I made a quick exit off stage to uh, leave them to it. I also managed to introduce a very famous man called Lewis Capaldi, who was the headliner on the Sunday. Or well, he wasn't the headliner; he was uh, he was really highly billed, and that drew the biggest crowd all weekend. There were at least fifteen thousand people in the crowd, and whilst I loved doing it, that was really nerve wracking actually mate is a very funny guy he was even nervous his whole band were like oh no because there was like chanting going on everyone joining in they went out and smashed it of course because he's Lewis Capaldi and he made everyone laugh and he made everyone cry with his smash hit ballads uh, that I'm sure you're familiar with so that's my that was my job at Standing Calling Festival this year however they also asked me to come on and do some Q&A's so there was a small the BBC introducing stage which was one of the smaller stages they asked me to basically open the festival every day with a today at Stand and Calling which was a sort of look at, at that day in question every day I hosted a question and answer session with one of the festival organisers on day one on stage I sat down with Alex Trenchard who is the founder and a main organiser for Stand and Calling. So he grew up in a lovely house with a pool and his parents owned that house. And he one day he uh, threw a party in his back garden for a few friends and had a barbecue and a bit of live music. And every year, basically, that grew and grew and grew and got bigger and bigger and bigger. So such a great start to the story. And anyway, we sit down in front of an audience and we have uh, a really interesting chat so let's cut to it anyway this is my chat with Alex Trenchard the founder of the festival for Stand and Calling Hello folks, thank you for joining us at the very first What's On at Stand and Calling. Hello Alex, welcome sir. How are thank we? You. I'm very well, thank you. This is the 14th year that uh, Standin is, is going. Tell us how it started. It all began in your, in your back garden as a, uh, as a barbecue, right? 
Has everyone here been here before? Or are you uh, are you sort of regulars? Or so you probably know this story already, but we'll go through it and then. I think part of the point of this is just yeah to talk about these kind of things for new people, but also to uh, focus on what what's on each day because there's increasingly so much on the standard lineup that you we, you can now do, and I I think it's a nice old place to just draw out what I'm looking forward to and the rest of the team that pulled the festival together with me. But how did it start? Well, it started here, where we're all sitting now. This literally here, the house is 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 right there. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it's my, it's my parents' house, not my it's house. It's parents' house. But, <laughs> um, and uh, mum and dad over here used to go off to Scotland on a Scottish holiday for a couple of weeks. And I would, uh, I was in my early 20s, and I would have a few friends around for just a dinner party or something like that. Sounds, sounds very well to do. I don't buy the story. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth was that we had, uh, yeah, the first year I think we had about 50 people in the garden and it was a barbecue and a set of decks by the swimming pool. And then uh, the second year I think it went from 50 people to about 500 people with a barbecue and a set of decks by the swimming pool. Nice. And uh, I think the, the first that mum and dad begun to understand that the, 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 the potential scale of that was of that 500 year was when they read it read about it in the Hertfordshire Mercury and found out about 62 noise complaints and <laughs> how people have been coming and going we had no fences we had uh, we had this was the stage it blew over because it had a massive drape saying stand and calling which then took off in the wind into the hedge behind and we had a swimming pool we didn't have any security and we went on until 10 a.m. when local residents started turning up. So we're trying to, we now try and do better on that side of things. So Security's improved vastly. Security's improved and hopefully we're, we managed to be a little more part of the local community than perhaps we were in those heady days. So you grew that. How did you get it from that party that became a very big party to suddenly ticketing it and making it a big event? How did that happen? Well, yeah, so then the third year, we then started, it, it became evident that we were, we were pulling a lot of favours from, you know, friends here, there and everywhere who were all doing it for kind of love and that kind of thing. And, uh, but it became quite clear that it was becoming pretty chaotic and we needed uh, someone to, we needed people to provide some sort of backbone and production and, and that kind of thing. So once those costs came in, you really had to kind of, you had to pay for them. And so, so that's when we started ticketing the event. And I think and then in, the four, in, in, in those days, it was sort of de just, I think we booked our first ever act through an agent, which was no the Noisettes in the third year. Don't uh, upset the rhythm. Don't upset the rhythm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, when, but that was really the beginning of it in terms of like booking a quite strong track record in terms of booking acts before they broke in those days. So I paid... Four hundred pounds for a nineteen-year-old Florence and the Machine who played at four p.m. on the only stage, and then a, and a week later, then she completely broke. You know, she broke, and then the same thing happened a year later with Mumford and Sons. That was also uh, yeah, two thousand and nine, exactly ten years ago. The same thing happened with Friendly Fires, who had that jump, jump in the pool hit that year, and 
that's why I'm really excited that actually they're coming back this year, 10 this years on. This is their 10th anniversary, right, since, they've, since they were here. It's 10th anniversary since, since they were last here. Last year, yeah. In a, in a time period where I think they've, they've just got their third album out, so they've taken their time. That is a super interesting part about Standin, is you have these uh, artists play, and they seem to champion, you seem to champion these guys. Last year you had Sam Fender play uh, in the afternoon on the main stage. He, he's taken off like a rocket in the last year. Radio 1 are playing them all the time. Is that something that excites you, that you can have people that obviously your guests already know, but then you're bringing in these people and then they're blowing up? Yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one, really, because sometimes you get the timing absolutely right. So you, we, we tend to put these acts... Um, Amy, who's uh, talking tomorrow, um, and I tend to book the acts around sort of October, November, December, January. And sometimes you get the timing right. So, I mean, this year's version of that is Lewis Capaldi, who's like kind of, uh, he's playing three down on Sunday, but, you know, he, did you see the crowd he had at Glastonbury? And he's had a you know, number one album for on and off for weeks. And then in, in other cases... Like, like in the case of Sam Fender, who's now massive, but come Standen last year, he hadn't quite broken. So he sort of broke around, like, September. So there are other acts on the, on the lineup that, we, that, that uh, we're really excited about and that haven't maybe broken, but may well break, break towards the end of this year. Yeah. And so who are your top picks for Standen this weekend? Who does everyone here need to go and see? For me, it's, I think it's been six years since Hypnotic Brass Ensemble last played. And last time they played five years ago, it was incredible. And just got, got everyone jumping around. And it looks like it's going to be sunny when they're on. So that's, I'm looking forward to that. We've already spoken about Friendly Fires. So for me, that's just quite emotional. Ten years on, good to see For me, them. they're the perfect festival band. They're going to be so good. And they're supporting Will Fallis, who yes. for me is one of my favourite live acts, particularly in a festival they're the first festival they're headlining, I think. And we're excited about that because they deserve it and Mercury, Mercury Prize yeah, winners yeah. and just a really, really interesting rock band. Yeah, they've had quite a year, so to bring them here and give them their, their headline slot is a great thing. Tonight, Rag and Bone Man, um, yes. Rory's coming back for the third time. He first played six years oh, ago wow. when he opened that stage. So it's, really, it's a nice story that he's come back to headline it and he's always been spoken really uh positively and lovely about the standing audience so i'm looking forward to seeing that inter interaction <laughs> great and of course now rogers and chic uh, to end the festival what a way to go out on sunday that's going to be amazing i don't think you can go out any better and yeah, no, the the, there's going to be a lot of people here on Sunday for the disco. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, after Rasheen, so that is sort of quite a disco. Rasheen Murphy into Nile Rogers is quite <laughs> a kind of disco finale. But before that, obviously, we've got Lewis Capaldi, who plays on the main stage at 5 p.m. We're going to shed some tears, we're going to start moving, and then we're going to really start moving. Exactly. I like your thinking, Alex. <laughs> uh, okay, so for the, the family side of things, what are the, uh, what are the aspects of standing that people need to go and try out? There's a few things that people take part in every year here. Frederick Theodore, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> so The dog show. Yeah, we're looking forward to the dog show. 
we win uh, the which is which is also here's my my family um they we're all looking forward to that that is the one bit of the festival that i don't have any control over because particularly my brother and my sister take matters into their hands now <laughs> last year um nigel who's great by the way who runs the playing fields sl- last year he slightly overstepped the mark because he decided to take to run the dog show himself and there were quite a few difficult family discussions after this so i'm just making the point that this year um this is my brother william uh he he is the mc um and i just if uh, everyone can support him (laughs) um anyway the dog show is very important my parents here are the um kind of arch judges of the these are your parents here just here hey they they're li- the reason they, we're they, all here they for the li- 14th year <laughs> <laughs> they they live in your house and, and if you can imagine what it's like to have a festival in your back garden for 14 yeah. years running that you actually never gave permission for in the first place so if you can all give a round of applause this is what down. good parenting looks like guys <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So we got the dog show. We have the pool. Obviously, people need to dip their feet when maybe the uh, the rain clears. Hopefully. It's clearing soon. It's clearing soon. Optimism. We like it. The theme. Fancy dress. So this year's theme is twisted creatures. And did, where did that come from? Well, we kind of um, wanted to do. I think yeah, it was Amy's idea. Who's speaking tomorrow? We wanted to do something around uh, animals, flora and fauna. But maybe something a little bit more different, something that encourages people to come up with really interesting costumes. So we didn't want a load of people like bouncing around in rabbit costumes or something. We wanted <laughs> people to like mix their animals, yes. uh, think about how things animals might have invo- or plants might have evolved differently. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's costume theme. Are we? Do we get to look forward to any of that? You might be wearing the crown, Alex, but I want to see some horns and wings or something. This year, I've been pretty pretty bad i've got about 24 hours to sort out my costume <laughs> you're a busy but, um, guy but uh um but also the creative team have done a really fantastic job over the last few years we've stopped their team has started building more bigger structures and i started to feel that actually that was taking away all their efforts were putting put into these massive huge hero structures and actually what they've done this year has gone back to how what we used to do which is to build to look at like more the detail and the charm and, the, and, and, and in terms of the decor. And I think that's really come out because I think what that allows is for the audience to kind of, everyone feels they ha- the festival's more part of theirs. When you have like these big spaceships, it's, everyone can see it, but you don't discover it. So all the interesting like corners of the festival where I keep dis- discovering these amazing like creative pieces, I love it because it means, oh, did you, people can say, did you see that? And it, it makes it more theirs. Yeah. I, we did a recce last night and saw some of that. And uh, I'm very excited to how it uh, evolves over the night tonight. Alex, we're being pressured because there's a festival to run and there's music to play. Thank you very much for the talk. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. I hope you enjoy it all. And lastly, just want to say, man of the hour, it's actually his birthday today, everybody. <laughs> so let's maybe not sing happy birthday, you want us to sing? Would you like us to sing, Alex? You don't need to sing. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Alex. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very Let's much. Let's give him a big cheer, guys. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
So there we have it. That is the first episode of People Do Fun Jobs in the can, in the bag. Thank you uh, for watching it and listening to it. Uh, thank you very much to Alex Trenchard, of course, the founder and festival organiser of Stand and Calling. And a big thanks to Rob Lee, who set it all up as well. And also, please do give me your feedback on this because I want to evolve it and improve it as much as possible. And next time you see me, I won't be sat in an irrelevant country garden for no reason. Uh, so thank you very much for paying attention to it. Don't forget to follow me on socials. Instagram is great, at Mr. Winter Official. Facebook, at Mr. Winter Official. YouTube, you've guessed it, at Mr. Winter Official. Uh, my website address has the links to everything else as well, which is mrwinterofficial.com. Thank you very much, and we'll see you on the next People Do Fun Jobs. Bye. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe for more videos. Just search Mr. Winter Official. This is Mr. Winter. Let's go. Let's go.